You know, we're a church that uh, we want to make much of Jesus in everything that we do. Uh, that's why we exist. And I, and I, you know, I know that this morning there's here. Normally, our our building, it, believe it or not, is not always this full on a Sunday morning. Um, and you know, man, what a privilege it is that it is this morning. We are celebrating that. We love that. We are so glad that you're here. And um, but. I, you know, I'm, I know that in this room, it's mixed. I understand that there's some of us here this morning that, you know, we, we've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you grew up in the church, and for you, an Easter Sunday, it's just normal to be able to celebrate. You're, you, you frequent church often. You're a part of a church community, and you're fully invested in your faith, and you give God your all, and you're like, yes, this is my whole life. And then I know that there's some of us here this morning who, you got dragged here, you got guilted into being here this morning, um, you are just being here because, you know, you want the, the family member to, you know, to stop asking you to come to church, and we are so glad you're here this morning. Um, and, I, and I know that maybe there's some of us in between in all of that, and the, the, the truth of the resurrection of a human, someone who died, who we, we could probably, most of us in this room would agree that Jesus existed. Even the, the most staunch and astute atheist would probably agree that Jesus was a person. There's not even Christian historians wrote about him. So he's a, he's a legitimate part of history. But not all of us here this morning would say, no, I fully agree that he was resurrected from the dead. I, I know he's dead, but I'm not totally convinced that Jesus died a death, and when he died that death, he put on himself the weight of all of the world's sin upon himself, and he fully satisfied that sin so that we could be made right between us and God. And then three days later, on the Sunday morning, he, the stone was rolled away, and in all his splendor and all of his glory, and this light was shown, and people freaked out. And the Bible says that people who were dead rose from their grave, and they were walking around, they were testifying of who Jesus was. I'm not so sure about that. I want to tell you that we at Southlands Chino believe this wholeheartedly. We are a church that we, the reason why we gather every Sunday, the reason why we get together in our homes through the week, the reason why um, we worship, the reason why we pray, the reason why we read scripture, the reason why we have fellowship together is because all of it, all of all of what we do is based on the truth that we believe that Jesus was born, that Jesus died, and that three days later he was resurrected from death, victorious over sin and death. And that's why we exist. Now, the question is for all of us, myself included this morning, what do you do? What do we do? What do I do with this notion of a declaration of someone who proclaims to be God, dies a death, and then is raised again three days later. Because that, my friends, is actually how you answer that will determine how you live your life, won't it? Some of us here might be saying, well, I, you know, I don't believe that, so I'll just do whatever I want because there are no consequences in life. And some of us might view that as actually that's the essence of being. Well, actually what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at a portion of Scripture which is probably not your traditional Easter scripture. You know, most of the time, a pastor, if you, if you come to church, 
maybe I'm going to be generous and say twice a year, you come Easter and you come Christmas Eve. Well, on Easter, usually the pastor preaches from the book of Luke. Well, this morning, I'm going to change it up on you, all right? So you're going to get something a little bit new. We're going to be reading from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And what Paul, the author of this book, what he's going to do is exactly what I want to encourage us this morning, is the truth that the resurrection is real, but what if it wasn't? What if it wasn't? What if it was just this kind of idea that Christians made up somehow to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. Well, Paul's going to address that this morning. And I want to help us with an illustration. You know, my family and I, we, we love, I, this could be really controversial, so don't, don't judge me, all right? You guys ready for this? We actually enjoy Disneyland, okay? <laughs> now, I know Disney lately has lost its mind, you know, and Walt is probably spinning around right now. But we really enjoy Disneyland. And, and as a kid, you know, growing up in Southern California, I had the privilege of being able to go to Disneyland often with my parents and my friends. And I still carry like this naivete when I walk around Disneyland. Um, and I, I kind of sometimes, they, they're so good at what they do. Even as a 44-year-old, 5-year-old, uh, it's okay. This church is all right, even in spite of me not knowing math. Um, even as a 45-year-old, I am stooped into believing what is actually happening is real sometimes. But there was, was one instance when I was walking around Disney, and you know the, the gates that say um, cast members only. If you don't know what that means, that's an employee. That's Disney's fancy way of calling all their employees cast members. And I saw Snow White, who was in character, um, and she was doing her, her princess thing and all of the stuff, and you know, and the moment they opened the door, she walked, and they accidentally left the, the gate open, and lo and behold, what I see Snow White doing is sitting on a chair with her leg crossed and smoking a cigarette like this. Now that absolutely ruined it for me. They always say, don't meet your hero because then you'll be messed up, right? And seeing Snow White's, not, Snow White's not my hero. Okay, don't worry about that. <laughs> but seeing Snow White out of character, sitting crisscross applesauce, I don't know how, smoking a cigarette was like, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. All of a sudden, the veil was removed. It's like the Wizard of Oz kind of a thing. And I think that sometimes even for those of us here this morning, he would say, I'm a seasoned Christian. I've grown up in the church. I have a robust, robust faith. There are moments, though, where I'm afraid that if the curtain were to be pulled back, would I see something I'm not supposed to see? Is this all just a fairy tale that has been perpetuated over the years and that we've all just blindly like lemmings falling off the cliff. And I want to say, friends, if you're in that place, I hope today that the truth of Scripture and the person of who Jesus is and the truth, I believe, of his resurrected self now in heaven, always making intercession for you and I will come to bear the weight of the fullness of the resurrected Christ will come upon us and bring freedom to our lives. That is my hope for us this morning. So, if you will, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. 
Um, you feel free, we have Bibles around our auditorium, that's our gift to you. Um, and this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 14. We're going to be reading from the NIV version this morning. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him, in fact, the, uh, I'm sorry, but if, sorry, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. Verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we, we come before your word, we, we're here with expectant hearts, we're here celebrating um, probably the most important day that the earth has ever seen. And while this may be, for many of us in this room, something that we regularly celebrate, either every day or once a year, or somewhere in between, we ask that, God, that you would show us your truth, that you would help us this morning to live in the resurrected Christ. And we pray that you would reveal to us our freedom that we have. If we've somehow squandered that, if we've somehow uh, take it, taken it for granted, if we've somehow rejected that, Lord, wherever we are in that story this morning, will you come and let us know that you see us. Will you reveal your love for us? Will you let the light of the resurrection dawn upon our hearts? And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, so here's what Paul does. He says, okay, I'm going to humor you for a moment, all right? Because what he's actually addressing is this church that they believe in Christ, but for some reason this idea this thought this teaching has come upon them to say actually yeah Jesus and all that's good but there is really no resurrection and so what Paul is saying is guys okay let's just pretend for a moment that you're right let's pretend that you know we we're just I believe in science you know that kind of stuff right for a moment let's just pretend that that's true so what would the implications of that be if there was no resurrection of the dead, if Christ actually had not raised from the grave. Well, how would that work out in our lives? And what Paul's going to do here, and what I want to take the rest of our time this morning is just always we're going to do this, is give us three areas where it's the, the implications of an unresurrected, if that's a word, Christ would have upon our lives. And the first area is this, it's sin. If Christ had not been raised from the grave, we see Paul say right out of the gate, he said, man, this affects the way that you deal with sin. I'll just repeat it, verse 17. He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. This is what one commentary says. 
If Christ is not raised from the grave, he is dead. And a dead Christ is unable to justify believers. And unjustified believers remain in their sins. Without the risen Christ, there is no justification. Without justification, there is no living faith. And without living faith, there is no forgiveness of sins. Friends, if there is no Christ, then all the songs that we just, if there's no risen Christ, if the songs that we just sang, the reason why we're able to live as Christians freely from our sin, the reason we're able to have joy and be able to walk around with a smile on our face knowing that we've been set free, if all of that is not real, then what are we doing? It is futile, Paul says. Now, I want to just, can I be a little tongue-in-cheek this morning? Is that okay? All right? All right. Yeah? No? Okay. Everyone just, that's right. I'm just going to do it anyway, okay? Because that's what I plan to do. So um, I want to be a little tongue-in-cheek this morning. And I'm just going to, like, let's just pretend for a moment, okay? Let's just, let's just hypothetically, no one likes hypotheticals, but let's just hypothetically for a moment say that we live in a way that we don't understand the resurrected Christ in our lives, Christian, non-Christian, whatever that would be. Well, I want to give us a couple things that I think if we were to pretend, but we don't do this, of course, but if we were to pretend that Christ wasn't risen from the grave and our sins weren't dealt with, how would we react? What would we do in life in order to try to deal with those things? Well, number one, I think we would constantly feel worthless because of our sin. I think that the moment that we commit sin or that we live in a season of immorality or where we know we're supposed to be doing right but we're doing wrong, I think that if we did not have a revelation and a deep down truth living inside of us every day, that the moment that we committed sin, we would feel absolutely worthless. Now, I am not confusing conviction of what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do with this different uh, of, of worthlessness what i am saying is i believe that without a pure and a deep-rooted truth of the resurrection living inside of us we walk around with low-grade guilt all the time we walk around somehow thinking that i have to be perfect in order for me to Go to God in order for me to have relationship with God. I have to make sure all my ducks are in a row. I have to make sure that I have all my I's dotted and my T's crossed spiritually and righteously, and I am living a pure life. After all, God is holy, isn't He? And so He cannot have anything unholy come to Him, and so He requires for me to be holy and perfect. But the reality is, I can't do it. You ever try to be perfect? Anyone here in this room? I've tried. It lasts for like 30 seconds. And if my hope is based on my own ability to be morally good all of the time, I'm going to be pretty miserable and feel pretty worthless about my life. I think that would be one of the outcomes, but none of us do anything like that, right? Of course, right? Well, what are, what are some other things that I think we do? I think we'd be constantly insecure about approaching God. I think we'd constantly feel a little bit like, you know, we have this puppy, he's seven months old, and he's gray, he's this cutest little golden retriever. He's not little anymore, he's big. And his name's Henry, 
And if you ever come over to our house, he's like, he does this funny little thing. Like if you come up to him, he'll slowly like lay down and just lay on his back like, uh, okay, so go ahead and scratch my chest. You know, he's super cute. We love him. But if he does something bad, what do I do? Hey, Rick! Right? And he's like, Ugh! right? And then if he comes to me, he's like, you know, all like head down, tail between his legs, and he's still hoping somehow. He's probably not even sure what he did, you know? But he's just, all he heard was me kind of being angry with him. And so, but he still wants affection. He still wants attention from me. He still thinks like I'm the guy to get it from. But he's not sure, am I going to like yell at him? Or am I going to, you know, how am I going to react? And I think we do the same thing with God, friends, with the, when it comes to our sin. If we've had a really good morally week, what do we do? We like walk in and be like, hey God, we're high-fiving him. We're like, yeah, this is amazing. But when we have a bad morally week, what do we do? You know, there's no way, there's no way that you could ever want to even see my face. And I think we would carry that around if for some reason, I mean, it's probably not true of any of us in this room, but if for some reason we didn't have the resurrection living in us every day, I think we would walk around feeling, ooh, a little bit timid to come directly and as the writer of Hebrews says, boldly approach the throne of God. How are you guys doing? I think we'd even go as far as to possibly create a system. I think we would create a system like we would write these laws and we'd write these regulations and we'd call it something like, I don't know, religion or something like that. And then what we'd do is we'd feel really good about ourselves when we were able to keep our religion. After all, in, you know, religion is the way to God, and so God needs to see that I'm doing good, and then, then he'll approach. And you know, that's, that's the way this works. And I think that if we didn't understand that the resurrection deals with our sin, and that there is no religious way to get to God, it's only through Christ, his death, his sacrifice, and his resurrection that gives me the empowerment to boldly approach, that I can lay those things aside and I can say, here stand. I'm coming with my sin. I'm coming with all my imperfection, but I know that in the resurrection of Christ, this has all been dealt with so I can boldly come to my Father, not with arrogance, but with humility saying, Jesus, thank you that your resurrection is true and it's been paid for and I can come to, to the Father without having to build some regulations and laws that I come up with and try to keep. It's all been done. Man, here's what, here's what Paul continues if we were to continue reading in here. He says this in verse 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. He gives us a victory. What's that victory? Is it like I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me? In sports, no. In sin, yes. I mean, you know the problem with that verse is, right? What if you have two Christians who are claiming that and they're on opposite teams? I don't know. Whoever has the most faith, most faith that's kind of what happens in the church. Well, you got to have more faith. No, see, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have victory in Christ who strengthens me. I have victory over sin in Christ who strengthens me, not me. I don't strengthen myself. All right, you guys got it. I think... The antithesis 
of this area of not understanding the resurrection of Christ, dealing with our sin, I think it would look like this. For those of us, we call ourselves the Easter people, don't we? The Easter people, that's alive in us every day. I think we would know that our value is not based on our morality, but on the perfection of Jesus. I think that would be alive in us every day. I think we would be secure knowing that we can boldly approach the throne of God because it wasn't my righteousness that paved the way, that made that road. It was the righteousness of Jesus. And I think we would lay down our religious ways. We would lay down the trickery that religion creates to say, if you do this, then God will be happy with you. It's actually God comes to us in spite of our sin, in the middle of our sin, in the middle of our junk, and he says, I will pick you up, I will pull you out of that and place you on firm foundation because I love you, I paid the price, not because you were worth it and you were so amazing, but because I love you and I'm gonna show you grace and mercy. I think we would let go of the religion that says you have to do in order to be accepted and that we would be accepted, and therefore then we want to do. That's the gospel. All right, how you guys doing? That was number one. We're almost done, okay? I promise, we're, do, we're doing good. Number two, what else? Let's just pretend again, all right? You guys, let's go back into like Disneyland land, all right? Where everything looks amazing, and like, you know, the facade. Like, I remember going on Thunder Mountain thinking, those rocks are real. That turtle right there, or the goat chewing on dynamite as you're going, that, that's probably a real goat, you know? So let's just go back there for a second. So what, what else would the implications be if we didn't have the truth of the resurrection living in us? How would that affect not only the way we view sin, but I think it would affect the way we view death. This is what he says in verse 18. Just to, to add here, if Christ had not been raised, that's what he's saying, then those also who have fallen asleep, who have died, is what the, the writer's saying, in Christ are also lost. They are lost. There is nothing basically after this life. That's it. You know the, the whole saying, eat, drink, be merry, for what? Tomorrow, come on, you guys don't know Dave Matthews? I mean, that's Dave Matthews. He's quoting the Bible. He's quoting Ecclesiastes. He's quoting, so what he says, eat, drink, be merry, because tomorrow it's over. You might as well get yours right now because this is it, my friends. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then you aren't going to be either. That's just the reality of it. So you might as well just live your life the way you think fit. Some of us do that, don't we? Some of us carry that inside of us. And Let's just be tongue-in-cheek for a moment again. So I think some things that the way we'd live our lives, if we didn't understand the resurrection and we viewed death with a resurrection-less view, this is what it would look like. I think death would terrify us. And I think we'd avoid preparing for it. We'd avoid talking about it. Anybody love talking about death? No one wants to raise their hand because then you're that weird person in the room. But none of us like to talk about death. When my dad passed, I remember like afterward thinking, love, I think that we need to like prepare for my death. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I just said, man, 
all of the things, all the arrangements we had to do, and, you know, my dad kind of did the best he could, but there was all these unanswered questions. I think we need to, like, for our kids' sake, sorry, kids, I'm not trying to freak you out, but for our kids' sake, so that when, when I pass or you pass, they just know exactly what they need to do, and, and, and did we end up doing it? No, we didn't do it, right? And, and it felt very, like, is, is, is me talking about it going to make something happen? You know, all those kind of feelings we get around death because we're terrified of it. What else? I think we do weird things to our bodies to try to stop the effect of death. I think we do whatever it would take to make it look like death is not happening here, right? Some of us have a little bit more of death on us you know, than others. Some of us are trying to avoid it as much as possible. Uh, and, and the reality is we feel it in our bodies, don't we? I'm 45, and I can hardly throw a football anymore because my shoulder is just like, no, you're not doing that anymore. I'm like, why? Because that's what happens when you're 45. You just, it doesn't do this, right? So now I throw like, I'm right-handed, but I throw like I'm a left-handed person. Don't ask me to throw a ball. Why? Because that's just what happens to our bodies. And so I think if we didn't have a resurrection view of death, we would try to avoid it. We would try to put it off. We would do whatever we could do to make sure it's not creeping up on us. Anybody here? Yeah? Okay. And I think we would regret opportunities that we didn't take in life. Uh, Tim McGraw has a song live like you're dying, you know, if you guys like country music, or if you're 20 and younger, maybe I'm really showing my age because kids probably don't say this anymore, but hashtag YOLO, you know. <laughs> Just caveat here for a moment. Jesus slapped YOLO in the face, right? All right. If you don't know what YOLO means, it means you only live once, all right? So that was a funny joke. If you didn't get it, that's what that's supposed to mean. But I think that we would regret the opportunities we don't take because we think somehow, if I don't get this opportunity before I die, this is it. I only get that one good vacation that we've been planning up to go to Europe for 20 years and gosh darn it if this falls through because vaccines and COVID's going to make, no, we're going to do it, right? I think our hope would be in the here and the now. Well, here's what Paul continues to say about this view. He says in verse 55, where, I mean, it's almost like the audacity. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? How can someone say something like that about something so serious? can only declare that death has no grip on me if you understand the implications of the resurrection. Does it hurt? Did it hurt when my dad died a couple years ago? Absolutely. Does it still hurt? Still does. For some of us in this room, it's, it's very real. We just did a funeral a few weeks ago here. It's very real. And his death, is Paul just being glib? Is he just being like, come on, suck it up, church. That's not that big of a deal. No, 
He is declaring where is the victory of death? Where is the sting? Where is the pain of it? Because the resurrection is real. (laughs) And there's something greater. Here's how I think we would work this out if we had the resurrection alive in us. I think we wouldn't be terrified of death. Would we respect death? Would Would we honor those who have passed? Would we feel the pain and the sorrow and the hurt of someone who has left us that we love? Absolutely. But would it terrify us to the point where we, every time someone says like the C word, oh, don't say it, don't say it, because you'll make it happen. What if, what if, it's like, don't prepare, don't prepare, because you're going to jinx it. No. We would walk around going, I know something you don't know. <laughs> I have a hope living inside of me that can't be taken away from me. And not even death itself can rob me of this hope that I have because the resurrection is real. I think that would be alive in us. I think we'd also know that our bodies are just earthly tents, as Paul says. It's a tent. It's just like this all one day is amazing. I know you guys are thinking this is amazing, but as amazing as this is, it's all going to go away one day. And there is something more beautiful and better than this stuff believe it or not. And I think the last one is that obviously we live regret-free. We wouldn't walk around being like, I'm just always paralyzed. I don't know if I should make this decision or this decision. What if I make the wrong decision? Because if I make the wrong decision, I'm going to miss out on the right decision and then I just don't do anything. We would just be like, God has called me. I walk in his ways, I listen to his voice, I do the best I can to be obedient, I know that he sees me, I know that he's called me, and as the Bible said, the good works that he has prepared for me, he is faithful to complete it, and so therefore I will just follow his voice, and it looked like, oh, you missed something over there, and he's like, don't worry about that, don't worry about that, keep your eyes on me, there's something way better than I have for you. There's a guy named Tim Keller, one of the one of the greatest gifts to this church, and, and I mean, I say this, the church, in the past 40 years, he's right now dealing with pancreatic cancer. And part of me goes, Lord, don't take him. The church needs this guy, right? And you know what he said? He said, I found that my wife, Kathy, and I, we would used to go on vacations. And every time we'd go on vacation, we'd come home exhausted because what we were trying to do is make sure that vacation was the best vacation we had ever had. We were trying to bring heaven down into earth into our world. And he said, to be honest, my pancreatic cancer has been a gift because now I know that this is not my home. I knew it in here, but now I'm starting to understand it. And so I go on vacation now, and all of a sudden I can just have fun. I don't have to worry about this being the vacation. Because I know there's a vacation for me that's set apart for me that not a rust or moth or anything that this world can take from me. It is secured for me in what? The resurrection of Christ. All right. Last one. We got three minutes left. You guys okay? All right. I think ultimately if we did not understand the resurrection. If we didn't believe Jesus rose from the grave, we'd have no hope. I mean, here's what Paul says, verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we 
are of all people. Everybody say all people. Most to be pitied. Now, the Bible does not exaggerate. It says some bold claims. It makes some controversial statements. Definitely in the year 2022. But one thing that it does not ever do is exaggerate. It tells the truth whether we like it or not. And for someone to declare under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, knowing that back then, almost 2,000 years ago, that this truth will continue today for us here right now, April 17th, 2022, Southlands Chino, hearing this, that we are to be pitied among above all people should resound in our hearts should make a bell go off for us somehow that if we don't if 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 all we're doing this morning is hoping to see our kids pick up some easter eggs which they're about to do if all we're doing is going to eat some good ham i don't like ham but whatever you like you know after today if all we're going to do is pick up fake grass on our carpet that came out of the Easter basket later on. That's a mess everywhere. And we go, oh, all the Easter feels. All the, like, pastel colors. All the glitter that's in my face that I didn't know I had there because some kid came by and put glitter on my head. All of the things that we enjoy, the furry bunnies, the peeps, all of those things, we might as well just pack it up, go home, because all of that stuff is worthless. I mean, to be honest with you guys, I'd rather do a different job. If, if like, Jesus isn't a minute. I, you know, during COVID, leading a church, I thought of, there were moments I was like, hmm, what could I do that's not stressful and doesn't deal, doesn't deal with people? And I thought, I could do, be like power washer. I honestly thought this for a moment. You know, if you've ever done power washing, it is so therapeutic. You just, there's dirt, and then you can make a line. I mean, people will watch this on Facebook for hours. <laughs> and I thought, I could do that. I could do that. And if, if the resurrection is not true, we might as honestly go home now. There's no reason to be here. If you're hungry and I'm preaching too long, go get some lunch. Why? It doesn't matter. And because really all we have is Wizard of Oz faith. That's really what, what it is. It's, it's like, never mind that man behind the curtain. And then when he does reveal himself, we're like, oh, the actual wizard. All he can give us is some like trinkets. Well, for you, you get a, a heart. You mean I got to wind it, you know? And it's a clock and it's plastic. And for you, young man, you get a diploma, right? And courage, here's this medal. And we're like... This is not what I thought this was. If this is all there is, then we have no hope. And all we're doing is kidding ourselves. I think we'd be pretty pessimistic about life. If things didn't go our way, we'd get pretty angry. Or I think we'd get really anxious about circumstances. Well, what if this? Well, what if my 401k? Or what if my 
son dates or my daughter dates or the wrong or all of these things, oh my gosh, I better hide in my room for the rest of my life. I, I, I think we would have anxiety as a culture being a major thing for us where we are constantly going to therapist after therapist after therapist after therapist trying to hear some good news because there is no other good news if there is no resurrection. I think we'd always feel like we need to be in control because control would be all that we have, wouldn't it? And I think our joy would be based on our circumstances. Here's how Peter says that we should view this. 1 Peter 1.3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, friends, the reality is that whether you've been a Christian for a long time, whether you are exploring the Christian faith, whether you are scrutinizing and you're like, I don't believe that. It doesn't matter where you are in that. We all have to answer the question, what do you do with the resurrection of Jesus? And how you answer that will determine right now, in this very moment, and as you walk out of these doors today, every single decision you make. It will determine how you love your wife and husband. It will determine how you raise your children it will determine whether you file and pay your taxes or not. It will determine whether your work ethic is good or not. It will determine whether you have hope in this life, whether you have joy, whether you walk around guilty and shameful or free, whether you are terrified of death or not. It will affect every single decision of your life. And my charge to you, friends, and visitors and family members and so-and-so on, is what will you do with the resurrection of Jesus? For those of us who have put our hope and faith in Jesus, we stand secure, we stand firm, we stand knowing that there is hope, that our sin has been dealt with, and that death is just a mere pathway to finding pure, unadulterated glory to be face to face with the creator of this universe. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, we, man, what a day. What a day to celebrate. What a beautiful day to be around friends and family, to eat such good food, to sing great songs, to probably go out of this place and celebrate together a beautiful, wonderful day. But Lord, I pray above the, the external things today, Lord, will you help us on the internal, where for those of us who call ourselves Christian, who have put our hope and faith in Jesus, will you help us again this morning, remind us of the absolute truth of the resurrection. And if that hope has dwindled in us, if the things of the world have started to overcome the light that you have placed in us, will you, by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning, God, will you rekindle 
the beauty and the power of the resurrection in us. And Lord, I pray for those who have yet to surrender to you, who may be skeptics. God, I pray that by your love and your absolute power, will you, will you reveal your light to them? Will you just show them your love, your grace? And will you let the, the, the power of the resurrection come to bear its weight on our souls? And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Jeff, come help us, please.